0: Welcome to Blue Collar Love. And Anderson, we're all getting old. My name is Samuel.
1: And I'm Aaron. I'm looking for a new wife, new wife. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Aaron Anderson, who else do we have with us here today?
1: We have with the incomparable Aaron Sprinkle, who has graciously agreed to review this album with this
2: what's up everybody
1: Mm.
0: so i am super stoked so um for those who maybe didn't pay attention to what the episode title was because you just love listening to our podcast so much you just listen to it without looking um tonight we are reviewing we are reviewing the 2003 starflyer 59 record old and aaron sprinkle was the producer or at least co-producer because the credits list you and starflyer 59 themselves as producers on this record right and the starflyer lineup at this time so it's kind of a ever-changing lineup um we have the one and only jason martin on vocals and guitars as always um his right hand man at least for a couple more albums uh jeff cloud on bass um, Richard Swift returning on keys and background vocals. I believe he played keys on "Leave Here, a Stranger," right, Anderson?
1: I believe maybe yes. Rest in peace, and, though.
0: Yes, and the um, amazing and talented Franklins on drums and background vocals as well. Really, all these guys, like including Aaron Sprinkle, are just amazing and talented. And we're going to dig into this song by song. So, how we kind of always start this off um, is memories of this album and maybe a little bit about the artwork and stuff. So, I'll go ahead and um, kick off with this one. Um, fun fact about this one this is the first physical Starflower 59 album I owned. What? Uh, yeah, I, I bought it at a library sale for 25 cents.
2: Whoa. That's awesome. <laughs> and
0: Yo, uh, cheap. yes i'm i'm a cheapskate i don't even deny it and i'll be honest um as i haven't really been into starflyer until we started this podcast um i didn't really listen to it a whole lot and i am we were so busy listening to their old stuff i still haven't listened to it a lot until we started kind of preparing for this i listened to it once or twice but in preparing for this review is when i really got into it and um spoilers i like it a lot um it's themes of dying and getting old just resonate with me because i'm literally one month away from my 30th birthday today so
2: oh it's geez me hard. so old
0: and aaron oh my gosh this guy right here uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but 30 is like a big one um so yeah that's that's really my whole entire history of this album i'll say while we're on the topic the uh Artwork on it is amazing. I'm super moody. I love just all the black and white photos. And I um, also find it super fitting that the only lyrics in the whole entire album is the last track, which we'll get to later. So, Anderson, what do you got? What's your history with this album, man?
1: Okay, first of all, um, yeah, Leave leaf hair Stranger was Josh Dooley and that mystery guy that I don't think we've ever figured out that Terry Terry brought in. It's an ongoing mystery for this podcast we're gonna solve one day um so not um (laughs) with (laughs) i am i'm sorry it's a ongoing mystery anyway um for me i remember when this came out i saw i was obviously first um, Starfire album was Americana for me. So at this point, I'm just buying anything Jason puts out. And um, I remember going to the Christian bookstore. They didn't have it. I had to go to like a couple Best Buys. They didn't have it. It was like the fourth store I went to. I was like, this is super annoying. Why don't they have this album? I, they usually have all Starfire albums. But I got it. Listened to it. Um, when it came out the day. So in 2003, whatever day that was, I can't think of right now. But I had it that day. Been listening to it since. Loved it. Um yeah, I'm with you too. I love the um, cover art, which reminds me of the Control album by Pedro Deline, Dave Bazan, which Aaron mentioned in the previous um, episode. And so I know there's a lot of similarities, and knowing that there's a Bazan connection there might explain a lot of things. But <laughs> <laughs> that cover makes me think of because Control came out in 2002, I believe, which was like a year before, if memory right. serves me. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, this is similar. And then the themes, which we'll get into as we go throughout. But yeah. So those are impressions. Love the artwork too as well. Um
0: and Mr. Sprinkle, if you don't mind, do you have any kind of like overhead you want to talk about this album, not specific to any songs, anything that memories that recall from you?
2: Uh yeah. I mean Yeah, just cut me off if I talk too long, but um This is one of those records that was honestly kind of rare for me to get to work on where um, I was really there just kind of helping. The reason it says co-producer is because it was, I was a co-producer on it. You know, I didn't, it, the, the weight of, you know, making sure it was awesome was not on me for this record. Uh, There was just such a strong vision and just you know, in hindsight, this lineup is just bananas, right? Like Swift um, amazing, and, yeah. Amazing. you know, and Lens, and, and it just, it was just crazy. I mean, you can hear so much um, of Richard's. It's funny because it's hard for me to call him Richard because back then everybody called him Dickie. Like that's literally what we called him during the whole record. But you can hear... So much of him on the album and you know what he be- uh, later on became to be just so incredibly known and you know regarded for as a producer and writer himself um you hear so many like foreshadowings of that you know he was already so developed at this point and i remember just being in awe of him and you know lens i mean Honestly, and if my brother ever listens to this, I'm so sorry for what I'm about to say right now, but um, Frank Lenz is hands down the best drummer I have ever had the pleasure of working with in my entire life. Like just with no, there's just no contest and uh, he's an awesome person too. Um, But, you know, I remember this is, this is one of the few stories I have and I have to tell it because it's just so epic and I've never told it on any kind of like you know podcast or anything but oh bring it on yes when we set up um when we set up to do we set drums up and frank was so like we you know jason and him had this very clear vision of what the drums uh needed to sound like was you know we were really going for this kind of like t-rex Beatles kind of dead you know 70s kind of thing and lens just basically did all the work for me like i i couldn't have messed up these drum sounds even if i tried you know he he, so that was blowing my mind the way he was treating the drums and tuning the drums and you know oh we just need to do this and this and this and i was just like i threw mics up and kind of turned them up and i was just like wow this sounds amazing but what the 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 story is it's so awesome but we so we decide you know we had um the way we tracked the drums is Jason would play, like, a guitar and a and a scratch vocal to a click. And then, so Frank could just track to that. So Jason didn't have to sit there playing the song over and over and over again. Um, and uh, so we, we got the first song, I don't remember what song it was, but we got the first one ready to go. And he's like, okay, you know, run me through it. And so I'm sitting at the console, and the band's behind me. Um, so I can't see them, but... I hit record and I'm going, whoa, like, okay, this is crazy. And cause he's just crushing it. Right. I mean, just absolutely spot on. Perfect. I'm thinking in my head, like so far, like halfway through, I'm like, so far, I literally wouldn't have to edit these drums at all, which was, and again, if any other artist I'm that I've ever worked with is listening, I apologize, but it's just the truth. of drums I was doing at that time and even after that I had to edit at least a little bit if not a lot for them to be acceptable so I'm flipping out I'm losing my mind and he gets to the end and it's the most perfect drum take I have ever recorded in my entire life and I hit stop and my mouth you know my jaw is on the ground and I turn around and they're literally, like, looking at magazines with their head down. They're just like, whatever. Like, no reaction whatsoever. And I'm like, did you guys hear that? And they're like, what? And I was like, that drum take. And they were like, oh, yeah, that was good. And Lenz was like, record over it. And I was like, no, we can't record over that. And uh, it was it, – that's just how Frank Lenz plays the drums. And I had never experienced – and I know I had been doing – this for you know over 10 years at this point and so i and i'd never experienced anything like it and i just remember thinking oh this is like you know what i've read about or heard stories about like somebody that can play like that so i mean and it's not just his ability but his like taste and the way he hits his drums and what parts he chooses to play i mean listen to these songs the drumming on them is just insane so anyway i have nothing i have no bad things to say about uh franklin's ever uh and then the other thing that was really cool about about this record I have to just say this that's just so cool is that the, back then the way that my studio was is we had we had a studio on the ground floor of a building in basically downtown Seattle I mean technically it's up on Capitol Hill, but it was kind of actually a cooler neighborhood than downtown Seattle. But you could walk to downtown Seattle in like eight minutes from the studio and then mm-hmm. on top of that, Brandon owned a condo like a really nice condo like really cool like we used to joke and say it was like a real world condo and uh that's where the bands would stay so and you know we had so much fun up there like they would pl- play uh skip jack they played this game all the time i don't know if you've heard this but this was like a huge thing that they would like and I'm, again, we've I'm, heard
0: stories of the skip. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it Jeff was just Cloud. such
2: an integral part of <laughs> Jason Martin and Jeff Cloud's life. Uh, but, um, you know, there's legends of these crazy games that happened on, on at festivals and the hotels and stuff. But, you know, I would I would win. Bazan came and he would play with them and uh you know i would just kind of i played a little bit but i mostly just watched and you know watched you know people losing and winning you know hundreds i was just like what is going on but then i realized later on at the end of the record that they were just kind of (laughs) passing the same like six or eight hundred dollars around to each other for the whole time like they like cloud would win it all and then jason would win it all and then you know and they just kind of it would just kind of go back and forth and i I sort of imagined that it was just this same pot of money that would just keep getting, you know, lost and won over years. (laughs) But, yeah, it was just such a fun record. They're all just amazing people. And, you know, to get to know Richard and watch him do his thing was just incredible. But I guess that's probably all the anecdotal
1: stories that I have uh, for the time being. so three producers, Jason, you, and Richard Swift. No wonder the album sounds so amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right.
2: And I think, and I might be wrong about this, but I was actually looking because I remembered this. Someone said this to me, and I, and I looked through as many credits as I could, but I think this was the last, maybe the last Starflyer record that Jason didn't produce. Um, like the last one that someone else produced. Um. If I'm not mistaken, there might be one thrown in there. But basically after this record, he started producing all the Starfleet
1: records. That might be right. Maybe he learned a lot from Swift and you.
2: Yeah. Well, it's funny because like David was around that time, Bazan was getting into, you know, doing his own thing and got really good at it. And and I I mean, we talked Jason and I talked gear like the whole record. He was asking me so many questions about how I was doing things and Um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think when someone has the, um, you know, the capacity or, you know, kind of leaning towards that, I think it can be a really good thing. And obviously it was, I mean, he made some, some of my favorite Starfly records
1: as, as a producer. So, um, yeah, anyway. All right, Sam, I guess we'll get into it. You want to?
0: Yeah, let's get into it. Um. I guess I will kind of get us warmed up here, get us let All off right. with right. um, the uh, – I don't – I I, I, um, I say this with fear and trembling because I know there are so many great opening tracks. I'm not least uh, among them Blue Collar Love, mm-hmm. but underneath, such a good opening track. Right. Like – Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, my first thought when I heard this and maybe you can give me some insight into this sprinkle. Um, I said, those guitars sound like Aaron Sprinkle. And I noticed this, um, anytime I'm listening to rather it's Anne Berlin, Jeremy camp. Um, I can always kind of tell your production, particularly by the guitars. Um, am I crazy or is there something specific you do with that?
2: Well, I mean, I do have a way that I, you know, record guitars and we, you know, my studio at the time had, you know, basically my hand-picked amps and cabinets and mics and all that stuff. Um, And I honestly don't, I know that Jason brought a couple of guitars and, but I'm sure we use some of my guitars too. So uh, like, honestly, there was for sure amps and guitars and, and my technique of how I record them that were you know, the same gear and the same techniques as a ton of other records I was doing at the time. So, yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. And then also, since I mixed this record, it's definitely going to have that, you know, my vibe on it as well. Okay, I'm glad to know I'm not crazy.
0: Um, So those guitars kick me off. I'm like, yes, I'm into this.
1: uh, You can still be crazy (laughs) and still... Just go ahead, though.
0: <laughs> all right. Um, the second thing I noticed about this is all the cool effects. I think this is the uh, Richard Swift you were talking about earlier, and Aaron actually mentioned that prior to us recording this. Um, we get this echoing choir, which I love that choir so much that like kind of echoes the chorus. And I also like that it's kind of a direct continuation of what we did on Leave Here a Stranger. Um, it basically took the kind of weird effects we had on Leave Here a Stranger and cranked them up to 12. Mm. And it's like, this is the start of the experimental age of Starflyer 59. Um, And then, of course, you know, I'm uh, feeling especially morbid lately, and I love that we open up an album called Old by talking about death. Um, Specifically, as I understand the lyrics, um, I have a... Horrible history of trying to decrypt Jason Martin lyrics, but we have just as much of a chance um, of making Jason. a go of this life and making...
1: Problem, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we have just as much of a chance of making a go of this life and making the best of our life as those that have died before us. So get with it. And uh yeah, that's my um, my thoughts on this song. Um Anderson, what do you got?
1: all right um i agree with you more so possibly the best opener to any album in history and look i mean like this is the stunner of an opener i mean when the drums and keys and whatever else um you know so it starts off the and but then when all that other stuff kicks in at the 16 second mark yeah swift i'm like this is a swift moment right here and I'm drawing. Well, I didn't know at the time because I didn't know who Richard Swift was at the time, but in hindsight, now I've obviously I know that. 16 seconds, I'm drawing in completely. I'm like, the first time I hear this song, I'm like, what is going on? And just when you think it can't get any better at the 28 second mark, um, the music drops out. And then there's that comment, that then the keys come in. And then Jason's vocals come in. And his vocals are top notch here, Wh- whiskey tinged and clear. And then at the 46-second mark, we hear that, um, I'm not sure if that's uh, background vocals or keyboard or what, um, um, but we're not even a minute in a song, and I'm just, like, losing my mind. Like My mind is blown. I'm like, what is this song? This is just, and then there's a hi-hat effect on the drums during the chorus. It's like that, it's really dope so many keyboard effects in the song i mean too many to mention i could go on forever but i'm not guitars and bass create a wonderful landscape for the drums and keyboards really shine here the highlight for me are the crazy vocals that echoing course that sam mentioned earlier at the end of the song reminds me the sister hazel song from pony express which i'm sure that was swift he did that too um and then the hard driving outro with the guitars oh, my god The whole song, um, Jason takes a back seat, lets the drums and keyboards and all these other effects take the front, you know, center stage. But then in the end, he just lets the guitars go and (laughs) he reminds us he's a guitar guy. The dude's amazing. Um, The last 40 seconds of the song, those guitars just really pump me up, make me feel like I can run like 50 miles without dying. I don't know what to say about the song, but it's probably my third favorite Jason Martin song ever. And my favorite song on this album. This is the first time a Starfire album. The first song's the best. Five stars. out of knock it out of the park. I was just like, I'm like, when this song ended, I just needed a breath. I was like, what was that? Like, that was crazy. What is this? <laughs> you have any insights on this? Um, sprinkle.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this song is amazing, and um, the way they. Um, so they go from like a straight 4-4 four, four, and then I, that, I think it was at 16 seconds you were talking about where it goes to the thing. Um, it goes to this swung triplet thing, which we were, I mean, I remember that was like a, di- a direct T-Rex reference. And if neither of you have listened to T-Rex before, then you definitely need to. Um, just that sort of beat and then coming back to the four four just straight uh was just so cool and um that sound that you guys keep referencing that sounds like a choir um is uh it's a it's called a melotron um and it's a instrument from the 60s uh, okay. uh i think it actually was maybe even invented in the late 50s but it was popular in the 60s and it was a, it was essentially the first sampling keyboard um it was a keyboard that used um, a a reel of tape for each key. Each key had its literal own reel of tape, own tape head. When you press the key, it would play the tape. So what was on the tapes was different recordings of real things. The most famous example of a Mellotron are the Mellotron flutes, which are used in uh, Strawberry Fields Forever by the Beatles. That flute at the beginning um, is a Mellotron flute. But um, they were really kind of, they've always been a really popular thing. Um, you know, Radiohead uses that um, same choir sample on stuff. Uh, but yeah, so there's a few different Mellotron moments on this record. And I think that that sound even comes back. I forget what song it is, but it's one of the last songs. Um. For Sacred Attack. Yeah, I think it is first heart attack. Yeah. But um yeah. but yeah, and then yeah, the the crate the the percussion that Lens did too, you know, af- you know, the secondary percussion, he would be like, I'm gonna do this and I'd be like, Okay and you know, throw up a mic and all that ear candy stuff you're hearing on the choruses and stuff is Lens playing just these crazy percussion parts and he just Okay. He, he was one of those people that like It was already in his head. It wasn't about, like, figuring it out. It was just about getting the mic up and having him play it. And it would just all come together like a puzzle. And you'd just be like, whoa. So, yeah, there's a bunch of that on this song, too. But, yeah, killer opener, for sure.
1: Crushed it. Yeah, uh, I can listen to this song forever and never get tired of it. All right. All right, So
0: so let's go into song two um and i think uh, aaron sprinkle should lead us off on on something he's probably very familiar with major awards
2: (laughs) get it yeah so this one um there's a couple things that i that stood out to me you know uh, i listened to this album very recently for the first time in a very long time so i will be sort of playing some catch up on that on it but you know this song is awesome i mean i'm probably going to say that about all these songs because they literally are all awesome but um the there's like a congas on this one right off the bat you know that thing that lens is playing and then those guitars that sound like strings you know um that's the that is the star of this song to me um you know, it's this, uh, I don't rem- I think he, that Jason used a volume pedal and not the actual knob on the, I'm 90% sure he used a volume pedal. But, you know, that effect of those guitars is like you, you pluck the string and then swell the volume up, so you, you're removing the attack of the guitar so that it sounds more like a bowed um, instrument, you know, with like a swelling kind of vibe to it and i remember when we did those I was just like
1: oh that is sick it's just so cool but yeah awesome song all right um so i think it's cool that you
0: mentioned those strings cuz as you mentioned that's what kind of stood out to me and um i always call these cuz i see these uh kind of string sounds pop up a lot In um, Starfire's music, Jason's music, um, I always call them Danny Elfman strings, because that's what they sound like to me. Right. Um, But that makes so much more sense now that I know they're mainly guitar strings done with a volume pedal. That makes much more sense why they sound that way. Um, So, yeah, it's a fun song, and I think um, the lyrics are interesting on this one, because I don't know if uh we were just like kind of tapping into uh the emo side of the um rock genre but i love that it's just the lyrics at least to me seem like jason's being like you know what it really sucks that i can't win any awards and um that really sucks because i have a great band behind me and i'm really good and how come i'm not winning any awards for any of my hard work that i've been doing for 10 plus years now And I just think that's such a fun follow-up to talking about um, make the most of this life because you don't want to be like all the dead people who didn't make the most of their life to, Mm. well, I'm trying to make the most of my life and uh, it sucks.
1: All right. Anderson, well, what do you got? Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is a great follow up to underneath. It's a welcome change of pace because this is like a Mount Everest moment. And you're like, whoa, I need to catch my breath. <laughs> What's happening here? And so this song's great. And I'm glad you mentioned that 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 the, the, the drum sound at the beginning congas. I was wondering what that was. I really love that a lot. I love the heavy chugging sound of the rhythm section of the song. Um, and I agree Jason, no major awards for this band. That's not fair at all. I mean, it's ridiculous. I just don't get it at all. Um, the string and, and I thought those were strings during the bridge, which I think are lovely, but you explain what that was. So cool. Now I know what that was. I love the, the lyric music sheriffs. <laughs> I was like, wait, did, they should change the name of the band to music sheriffs. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a couple lines that are hard to understand here lyrically. It's something about stabbing bulls, about stab a bull, or whatever. I mean, Jason wrote lyrics about putting pockets in the drawers. Who knows what's going on there? Um, there's shakers <laughs> and all types of sounds in the background. And like today, I listened to like the last couple times I listened to this album on vinyl and streaming. I listened to it on headphones, and you really hear some things that you don't really hear. Um, if, if you don't have good sound quality, whatever you're listening to. But yeah, I heard some shakers and stuff i would never heard before today. Um, So a lot of stuff musically going on here, layered. I bet it's layered so perfectly um, that it's it's not distracting. And so I think the production here really benefits the song because there's a lot going on. But if it wasn't layered or mixed, right, which it was, obviously, it sounds really good. Um, Three and a half stars for me. It's my eighth favorite song, but again, there's no bad songs here. I love all these songs, but I just like ranking them because I love lists, but it's my eighth favorite song, which still means it's amazing. (laughs) What do you think, Sprinkle?
0: (laughs) So I think uh, he already hit all the high points on that, so let's go ahead and just move on forward to number three loved ones. All right, Anderson, um I know how much you love emo music. So tell me how you feel about this song.
1: I love the song like the rest of them. Um this is the first of what I like to call the Jason Bazan songs. Dave Bazan reference from the line. So yeah, the the Control album came out a year before this and the storyline was that alf- album for those who don't know it's a it's a concept album which is really good. You should check it out. Um husband cheats on his wife wife ends up killing them spoiler alert but um there's a lyric um so i left her um in this song Jason sings. so i left her to see what has come when i have a good wife at this and I'm, gonna, I'm not saying jason was influenced so he's trying to rip off bazaan or, or anything but um jason didn't really address infidelity or leaving family um except for maybe well i guess on the competing can't stop eating he mentioned like Distress about having kids, but nothing like this. And so, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they have some talks together. Um, but for the next few albums too, this become a regular theme. And we'll talk about like him having this satisfaction, the married life and stuff like that. Um, musically, it's pretty good. Um, follows in the, the tempo of the previous songs. Um, there's a static effect in the second verse that is really cool at the two minute, 20 second mark um we get a background with hand claps broke down with hand claps no one does hand claps better than Starfire Fifty they're it. <laughs> and then there's these weird keyboards by swift which really pumped the song up um it's the best part of the song in my opinion three and a half stars my seventh favorite song on this album nice
2: rock on sprinkle what do you got i heard you taking a breath like you had a thought Um, yeah, this song to me, it's interesting that you pulled that, uh, Pedro comparison because I, I had never thought about that, but I think there, there really is, um, a similar type of style happening that I never picked up on. to me, this song is very, uh, it hits me the way that some of the late nineties, early Brit pop stuff, uh, that I know Jason and I both love, uh it it just has that it almost has a smiths vibe to me um even um but uh yeah really cool the um claps are so sick in this song i agree with that and then uh that that really high whistly synth on the um bridge um is it's a Theremin, but I don't. I don't think we had a real theremin. I don't know if you know what a theremin is, but it's that instrument. Yes, yeah, that you yes. play in the air with your hands.
1: Beats what using good
2: vibrations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't. Rem- I don't think we. I think we had to kind of fake one, because not only are they not the most common instrument, but they're inc- they're one of the most difficult instruments to play on planet Earth. So, I. <laughs> I don't remember, um, but, yeah, it's so cool. I mean, it just has this, like, weird, eerie, almost sci-fi vibe to it, and I love it so much, but, um, yeah, yeah it's such a cool song. This might uh, this might be my second favorite song on, on the record, to be honest. Like, it makes me feel very strong feelings, so that's kind of how I judge. So I'll give it a, a 9.8. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I have my own scoring system, just so you guys know. <laughs> we all do. Sam has his album, not yours. It's lovely. <laughs>
0: um, That is awesome. I, I call this song... Um, I initially wrote it as an attempt at emo, but I think a better way to put it is a more mature emo sound because um i mean jason was probably only 30 himself around this time and he but he sounds so weird world weary and tired and mm. it's like all this stuff that we take as teenage angst from a much more mature perspective and um, i think the music really backs that up a lot and gives it a uh, world weary vibe that he perfects and even later albums, such as like Young in My Head and stuff. Um, and the lyrics really strike me. This is the first of the songs lyrically that kind of hit on themes of sin, but from a outsider's perspective. Not so much of these things are wrong or um, you shouldn't do these things, but rather here's stuff I deal with. And Yeah. Life just is kind of crappy like that, and I um, hadn't even I've listened to Control and read the lyrics one time, and I it didn't even occur to me how much um, this song and a couple others after it really tap into that Control lyrical mindset and even some of the music.
2: So cool. I oh go ahead oh sorry I, I just was agreeing with you I just said cool <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> oh no, you're you're fine. Um, so, I love the lyrics here. You know,
0: it kind of taps into that classic. The closer I get to those I love, the more I'm going to hurt them. And the more I'm going to be hurt in return because you can't have human connections without hurting each other sometimes. And um, so, rejoice. <laughs> so, rejoice because everything
1: is crap. <laughs> I will start off the next song, Passengers. This is such a beautiful song. Um, The vroom sound right before Jason sings and never look back. There's there's like a keyboard part. It's like vroom. It's a great touch. Um, This is one of Jason's top five vocal performances of his career. The The vocals are produced really great. The interlude, my God. I love how the song slows down. Then there's that heavenly harmonica part, which I'm assuming Swift played. And then bliss, the bells, organ, kitchen sink, whatever comes in, crashing, creates this musical magic, brings tears of joy to my eyes every time I hear the outro at 2.36. The drums get a little faster, and then there's some more shaker that's added, and then that harmonica starts rocking again. It sounds sublime, truly truly masterful work done here. I love this song. Four and a half stars. Second best song in this album. I, again, I could, I could listen to this and underneath on repeat forever and never get tired of them. Who wants to go next?
0: <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Um, so, the music—I um, I love the music. Borders into chamber pop, um, especially near the end. You hear like these bells. Um, kind of to accent every, uh, major, um, beat in the course. And it's, yes. and I call this like Brian Wilson filtered through a sci-fi movie.
1: Brian Wilson filtered through automatic by R.E.M.
0: (laughs) I could possibly see that. Um, and the, the lyrics are really interesting, um, Talking about um, smoking, of all things, which is a fascinating thing from a Christian perspective, because Christians hate it, like hate it so much. Um, Like, it's like smoking and murdering children, as far as some people are concerned. (laughs) Um, And I really like the line, with guilt, I give in to more damage to my lungs, and I, I just kind of the lyrics kind of continue with, I wish I could just wave goodbye to this world like passengers on a ship. I want to just um, be done with it all. I'm, I'm too tired of it. And I like that as a metaphor, smoking in particular works really good for any self-destructive behavior um, that we have for ourselves. Rather, it is smoking. Rather, it's um, abusive relationships or eating too much junk food. Whatever it is, sometimes we all get really self-destructive. And we all come to that point when we're like, I'm done by. I just wanna I wanna wave goodbye to everyone and not have to deal with this anymore.
1: And, but you uh, can't. And, and you can't. And that's how to, it wasn't I never took it as goodbye to the world. It's yes, goodbye to the thing you're doing that's harming you, and you just can't <laughs> <it>. that too. <laughs> um
0: <laughs> and Man, that is probably the most meat and potatoes lyrics we have ever gotten from a Starfire fifty nine record thus far in our podcast, and I am um, really love the honesty there.
1: No, there's been others, but yeah, that was definitely deep. What do you think, Sprinkle? Yeah,
2: this song's really good. Um, I love the how uh, it dips its toe into the very I would call it the at the time very current Americana for at the time. And uh I get big uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Will Co vibes on this song in, in spots as in particular. Um especially the bridge and um even just the way it even starts off has this it almost has, like, an old Western movie vibe to it, um, but in a very starfly y kind of way. You know, it's not campy at all. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the lyric, to me, that lyric, uh, I never look back, I want to be like the passengers. I always pictured people waving in, like, really old footage to people on, like, a, steamboat or a crew you know cruise ship like waving on the and as the ship sails on uh that's what i always think of from that lyric um but yeah this song is brilliant and the vocal i felt like at the time when we were making this song that i had never really heard jason sing like this before um and it was it just was really cool very uh you can hear um you can hear what he's saying in his vocal performance if you know what i mean on this song it's just awesome
1: yeah and like i want to just mention like what you said about the waving goodbye old timey i was in the military and so like for me when i heard that too like we mentioned about the 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 self-destructive behavior like i'm like when I hear that, I want to be like the passengers who wave goodbye. It's like when you leave like your duty station, whatever problems, issues you had there, Mm. you uh, you not have to deal with them. That's how you want to deal with your self-destructive behavior, but it never stays there, it comes with you. And so that's how I see it too. Right, that's cool. All
0: right, Um, let's go ahead and move right on to uh, number five. Um, the lights on and I feel like um we we kind of continue with the uh, the theme of sin um in this this one um very possibly about cheating on your wife. Um, you know, I'm gonna leave her. I've always been a cheater. Um possibly, yeah. Sam. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a poor little homeschooler with uh very little real world experience. So I give people the benefit of the doubt. <clears throat> um but and I, I do like the follow up to that bit though. Cause you know, um you leave your wife only to realize you're going to lose everything. You'll the lyric, you've ne you've you'll never get your loved one back. And um it's like, you know what, I'm, I can go and screw up my life if I want, I can be super self-destructive, but I'm going to lose so much in the process. And it, it leads me back to something I think about with the, uh, the the parable of the prodigal son, where he goes out and spends all his life saving. No one ever talks about the fact that he comes back completely penniless, and he, he has now lost that part of his life forever, and will never get it back. Um, and something people don't really— think about i feel like a lot of times when it comes to yeah you're forgiven but you still lost a lot you still got a lot of scars to deal with um the music's a bit more straight ahead rock super nice organ showing up um and i i I love me some organ as an instrument of rock and i really like the kind of space pop blips and bloops adding into there um kind of giving me that sci-fi feel continually really great continuation of the themes of the past couple
1: tracks. So Anderson, what do you got? Um, <laughs> that's really interesting about the prodigal son. You're right. People don't give um, enough interest to that um, um, because yeah, so what you, you've, you squander away a part of your life. You've experienced some trauma that's going to affect you and alter you forever. Yeah. You're forgiven, but those demons, the PTSD, whatever, the loss of money, whatever, you're never gonna get back. So yeah, I never thought about that, but yeah, you're right. All right, good driving intro, another Jason Bazan song. You know I'm gonna leave her, I always been a cheater. Like you mentioned, definitely a song about cheating. He's absolutely cheating on his wife in this song. <laughs> um, also the guitar riff doing the course, sounds like the melody from Priest and Paramedics. Off the aforementioned Control album, I'm not saying Jason ripped off Bazan or anything. I'm just saying they sound similar to me, and these two, those two albums sound sound like cousins to me. So it might just be in my head. But every time I hear the 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 riff on, the, uh, uh, I think of the I, I start singing the lyrics from the course and the Pedro line. So I'm like, well, hold on, I'm not listening to that song. It's weird. Um, so let's see what else. Um, the guitar breakdowns after each chorus are great. At the beginning of the second verse, you do hear those shimmering guitar lines that Sam mentioned in the background of that. It sounds very sci-fi, I love it. And I its i can't believe that the same guy that wrote this song wrote The Dungeon and Blue Cloud of Love from Silver. It just blows my mind. Um, this is a very mature sounding song for Jason. Um, meaning that, um, not saying like, like his dad rock or yacht, yacht rock or anything, but he's not relying on feedback or musical gimmicks like on that Silver Album. Um, he's just relying on well-structured songs, and based on actual guitar playing and songwriting, um, it's three stars. My ninth favorite song still doesn't mean I don't hate it. I, mean, I still like it, it's just so many better songs, but I really do like this song. What do you think, Sprinkle? <laughs>
2: uh awesome yeah th- this one this one has like a such a satisfying thing to me that it does because it has the these uh classic rock elements um that i love so much and when you hear you know uh someone like uh starflyer doing that so well there's just something that makes you kind of want to grit your teeth in a really satisfying way um you know, and then um, I mean, it's the drums on this song are just stupid. I think they're just so good. I mean, it's just it's something maybe as a musician or a producer you have a little more insight on how because it's it's so straight, but playing that straight and that with that much feel is just not a normal thing, and um, it's really cool. And uh, the the uh, The synth arps on the second um, chorus, I mean, second verse, the stuff, that's like, um, it's like an arp, is uh, you know, short for arpeggio, it's like a synth, and when you hold a key down, it plays like a pattern that you can program in or whatever. So it's got this, you know, 70s, it's kind of what it makes me feel like. But it's also there, and I remember thinking this at the time, um, one of my all-time I mean, I hate saying top 10, because my top 10 list probably has 100 records on it, but uh, is the Software Slump by um, Granddaddy, which came out in like 2000, maybe, I forget. But um, that's what it reminds me of. Um, if you've never listened to that album, I cannot implore you enough to listen to it. But um, I got I definitely got granddaddy vibes from that and it's just really cool. Um, really good song. And also one thing anecdotally is, and I didn't like write down and keep track, but harmonies or background vocals of any kind are extremely sparse on this album. And there is a legit like harmony on the chorus of this song. Um, like the high vocal harmony. So I thought that was another standout,
1: but yeah, I love it. Nice. All right. Well, I'll start us off with the next um, song, New Wife, New Life. This song, I make sure my wife is not around when I listen to it. I just don't want to avoid, I don't want her to think anything. I don't want to think she, I in. <laughs> <laughs> playing anything, I just want an argument, just like make sure she's not around. <laughs> I love the good guitar effect that Jason is using. Um, then, uh, uh, um, the guitar playing, doing the choruses are my favorite part of the song. Again, the tone here is great. Um, then there's like a fuzz effect before Jason sings New Life, it's like, a, uh, I love that. This is a straightforward rock song, but with the little extra flourishes here and um, with the electronics and keyboards, the song becomes special. Um, Three and a Half Stars my fifth favorite song in this album. Who wants to go next?
0: All right, Aaron Sprinkle, I'm curious if you can tell me why this song feels like two things to me. One, kind of like a disco song. And two, the most danceable track.
2: <laughs> on this sad sad album. <laughs> well, um the disco reference I'm not feeling, but I'm going to chalk that up to your age. Um <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um it I do I do I do love the rub of the subject matter and it has it's like a, it's kind of a happy sounding song. Um, I love that. Um,
1: Martin co- Boys love contrast. to
2: do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it actually, you know, the instrumentation of it is very much in that kind of 70s rock thing, um, late 60s, early 70s, the fuzz uh, guitar, um, you know, that's like a legit like, fuzz pedal that we use that does that crazy, like, breaking up thing. Like, when he slides down, it, like, goes, and it's really cool. Um, but those, like, acoustics, you know, are give it It's almost got, like, a Weezer vibe to me. Um, and, it, you know, they're kind of happier kind of songs that they do. Um, I think it's really cool. I just... Yeah, this is just such a good song, and... I I don't want to, like, speak for Jason as far as his lyrics go, but, um, you know, we did talk about that during the album, and I will say that there, at this point, at this time in his life, there were people, cl- it kind of was that time in life where, it, it, you know, which I can remember happening as well, where relationships that were ending in their circle of friends people were getting divorced um, so that's where um, I, th- I think that's where a lot of this subject matter comes from was his sort of um, wanting to address that um, thing that was happening you know just statistically if you have some people that are all a similar age and they get married around the same time there's kind of a time when some of those marriages are going to end and um i think that this one obviously was very much addressing that but i think even some of the other stuff it was actually personal in the sense that it wasn't his personal experience that he was going through but people around him were um but yeah, this, this song is awesome, those fuzz guitars. I can i just am such a sucker for that guitar tone. I, I never
1: I, don't I, love it. Yeah, I am too. Sam, you want to start us off with the old the title track?
0: Whoa. I want to talk about New Wife, New Life first, if that's okay.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: sorry. Um, so when I say it's a disco song, I mean that as no disrespect, because I kind of like disco. Um, maybe it's because i'm young slash old i don't know either way though um (laughs) i this is this the happiest sounding song on the album and i'm not gonna lie like um, when i first read these lyrics i was like how do i feel about this like this is my first instinct was like the, the, the good Christian music I grew up with, especially circa 2003 and stuff, like, this does not fit that mold at all. But one of my favorite books in the Bible is um, the book of Ecclesiastes, where rather than talking about all the good things in life, it talks about, you know, how much life sucks sometimes. And I think you're right, you know, addressing that always people around me just kind of act like they can just get a new relationship and suddenly their life will be so much better. And um, me and Anderson have talked extensively when we're reviewing the Bon Voyage albums about how much work marriage takes and stuff. And I think that's a it's a really interesting way to address that of um, kind of a almost mocking like, ha, you think it's going to be so easy. You're just going to keep making the same mistakes unless you learn.
1: So it's right. a.
0: It's an interesting song. I, um, it's grown on some, me.
1: <laughs> some marriages, but some marriages do need to end, so we'll just say that. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll move
0: on to my favorite track, I think. Possibly.
1: Probably. Old. The internet's going to kill you, Sam. Oh, I know. Go I ahead. Know. Go, <laughs> ahead go, go hang yourself, Sam. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, let's, let's go. <laughs> I will get my rope out. <laughs>
0: All right. Um so this song does a couple things. I uh I like one and I sadly do not play um enough music to know this off the top of my head. But the chord progression and the the melody of the lyrics keep reminding me of Creep by Radiohead. Um but then you have the Swift factor. Mhm and i feel like the swift backer just like takes it and just throws it into this kind of blender and um mixes that really poppy melody slash chord progression with the chronicles of narnia and some uh, a book of death and yes 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 i love this song (laughs) um it's, you know, the lyrics are just you and everyone around you has a story to tell and we're all slowly dying. Um, I always say, you know, we're all dying just some more quickly than others. So get on with telling your story, get on with living your life. And this really kind of ties back into the opening track underneath of, you know, do the best you can with the time you're given. And, um, you know, while you're at it, have this, uh, Creepy kind of um, fairy tale-esque song playing through your head <laughs> to remind you that we're all going to die someday. So yeah, that's my take on this song.
1: All right, um, which Aaron's going to go next? Which Aaron's going to go? Although um, I don't
2: have a ton to say about it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's really cool that you pulled that creep... Um, feel of the chords out, because I, you know, this is a very, to me, a very clear um, John Lennon-inspired chord, pro- chord progression, but I think Creep is as well, so I think that's a really cool uh, connection there. Um, this is... A Richard Swift or Dickie Swift, as I still will call him, um, masterpiece. You know, this is just, this is all, basically all him. Um, I believe, other than the vocal and the guitar at the end, that he literally played every single thing on this song. Um, And uh, this, to me, you know, again, I... I became friends with him during this time, but we never really stayed in touch and we hung out quite a bit, but um, you know, but I followed what he went on to do. um, And you know, this to me just foreshadowed that like in a way that, you know, you couldn't really ask for (laughs) it. It's so beautiful. So incredible. The lyrics are amazing. Uh, You know, it's just an epic And I love songs that can be so epic that don't have traditional um, rock band instrumentation in them too. Um, It's not necessarily easy to do, and it just shows how much of a master um, he was at what
1: he did. All right, well, I'm gonna join apparently you and Sam at the gallows and say, I love this song too. Um, I call this a Swift Flyer 59 song, and I'm glad that you confirmed that, because what I have written down, Aaron, is this is essentially a Richard Swift piano track with Jason singing, and he plays a little guitar in the background and embellishes it, except for parts during the courses. Those are anytime only time when there's prominent guitar, um, pretty much it's in the background most of the time. I um, know a lot of fans don't like this song, but I don't get it, I love it. I like when Jason tries something different, like the song "The Party." Whenever he, he you know, he's he's a risk taker at times, and she would take more risk. <laughs> um, and I will. I wish he would do more songs that would let his vocals take center stage because he has a fantastic voice. You know, do more piano songs. Maybe do something, you know, like acoustic or something. Whatever. Like I, I was seventeen. You know, stuff like that. Um, The last 50 seconds are great with with using various percussions, percussive sounds, and it really adds to the sonic landscape of this song. Um, I love this song. It's my fourth favorite song on this album, Four Stars. It's great. I don't know why people don't like this song. It's amazing. A kissing song. Who wants to go first? I'll take first on this one. Yeah,
2: go for it. Yeah. Uh, This song, again, awesome. Just unbelievable, um, but this is just you know Jason Martin guitar heaven as far as I'm concerned. Because uh, one, the, one of the things that he can do is these bendy, you know, vibrato-y bendy and like the wow, just all that stuff is just
1: it's so sick.
2: It just it it gives you so much emotion, you know, uh, so much feel, and um, I don't know. I don't really have anything trying to remember if there's anything else that I was going to say about this one. Yeah. Just the, the vibe on the chorus to how it changes so much and has that kind of back and forth chord progression. It's just classic and awesome. And, uh, one of those other moments where you're like, man, this is so cool to hear, um, them doing this. Um, and very, very gratifying. Cool. So I'll give it an A for awesome.
1: Oh, well, I'll go next. Um, I, the lyric, let me take my life by the sewer side, That lyric always cracks me up every time I hear it. What does it mean? I don't know. In the context of the song, I think Jason's is trying to say that usually when we end up in difficult or bad places in our lives, we consciously have made decisions that have led us there. And this song, it seems like the protagonist is trying to write a kissing song, a hit song, um, and paint his dreams on having that make him famous or successful. We never find out if it becomes a hit or not, but judging by that opening line, probably not. Maybe this is referencing er, last year with the Emergency Project, but that probably didn't go through. Who knows? Um, That's where my mind went there. Uh, But musically, I like this song it's a typical well-crafted Starfire 59 song, like Aaron mentioned, the bendy guitar lines and stuff like that. Um, Nothing really stands out, except for there's hand claps around the two minute mark. (laughs) Always great. Um, Although I love this song, it's a good song, but it's um, three stars, my least favorite song, number 10 on this album. But again, it's still a good song. Okay.
0: Um, I I like that you got about, uh, you know, trying to write a big pop song, because I feel like this song is kind of I didn't think about the emergency, but you're right. This could be referencing that. (laughs) Um, I think it also kind of serves as a sequel to um, big awards, the um, or major awards, the number two track on this album. And how possibly because I know historically tooth and nail was going through a transition at this point where uh, they were getting relatively big, and they were only a few years away from like um, Under Oath and Jeremy Camp going gold and all that. So possibly um, Jason Martin had some pressure on him to, hey, write us a pop song. Write us something that's going to get you on the radio. And he's like, I'll write you a pop song, and then wrote this about writing a pop song. Um, that's my interpretation, uh, at least. Um, I like the acoustics right in the middle of the song, and the whole entire song gives me some, like, Oasis Britpop vibes, and, um, I always hear Starflyer, um, compared to Britpop, but this might be one of the most profound times I've heard that. So, it's a a fun song, and I think it, it ranks a bit higher than lowest on the whole entire album for me. All right, We're going to go ahead. We're trekking through here.
1: Two more songs.
0: We're getting to the end. All right. Um, Mr. Anderson, why don't you lead us off on Unbelievers so we can have Sprinkle lead us off on number 10 track?
1: Yeah. I really like um, that they allowed the intro to slowly build for well over a minute before the song gets going and Jason starts to sing. I love the guitar strumming when the vocals kick in on the opening voice, that ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. When Jason sings, this is what I got in the mail. There's like a bell sound. I don't know what that is, but I really like it. Um, the section where Jason sings the golden lights. I love the bomb bass and had the changing of the tempo of the song. Um, the song sounds a lot like the previous song until those two golden light sections. Um, Jason's guitar playing during the outro of the song is top-notch. You know, just, you know, nothing. This reminds me of, like, um, Traffic Jam song. Um, you know, just, you know, here's a great melody. Deal with it. Um, then at minute 447, there's, like, a watery sound, like a keyboard sound. It's very eerie. Ariel, um, that stands out. It's like, oh, what was that? I really like that. Um, I wish more of these songs had time to breathe, like this one. It's over five minutes long, but I think of songs like Passengers and New Wife, New Life. If they had extended keyboard interludes or like guitar solos, like on this song, I wonder how different those songs would have been. And this album probably would have been, I think, more epic and greater. You know, since the Gold Album, Jason hasn't really indulged and in like let a song just go crazy and just like okay. You know, let me just like play a two minute guitar solo for whatever, for no reason. And I think on this album, with these songs, these particular songs, I think that would have served um, the album better. But I don't know, I'm not a music producer. It's just a fan and what I think. Um, my sixth favorite song on this album, Three and a Half Stars. Well,
0: speaking of music
2: producer, we have one on staff here. So, really? how do you feel
1: yeah. about this? <laughs>
2: Um, this song is just freaking awesome. Uh, it's really an accomplishment, in my opinion, because it has such a, it completely goes along with the theme of this whole album, um, and it has elements of, like, Americana and older music, but there's just this unmistakable cure um influence on it um the 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 guitar line the the synth strings the flangy <coughs> guitar and the and the long intro is all classic cure stuff and the cure is probably you know one of those top artists that um Jason and I share They're my favorite band of all time, if I had to pick one. And uh, uh, so that's just cool. But the way that he does it without it sounding like it doesn't sound like a Cure song. You know what I mean? It sounds like him in a Starflyer thing. And then the other huge highlight to this song to me is the the piano on the bridge is just not normal. It's just like unbelievable. Like it's like. Crazy <laughs> it's crazy part, uh piano playing, and uh the, it just the way it it goes in there and and it's another thing that kind of reminds me of the style of production that Wilco did on Yankee hotel, foxtrot, um kind of George martini type, but you know kind of epic uh at the same time, and I love the long you know. The long uh, parts as well. I love how it kind of just goes on and and it's just like a, a it's just one big feel like the whole song. So yep, love it. It's my third favorite, tied with all the other songs except for my number one and number two.
1: Oh, very I, nice. I think I know what number one is. Why didn't y'all? Cook, <laughs> did y'all think about indulging in making the other songs expand and be longer? Was that not a discussion?
2: Um, I don't, I honestly don't remember, but I think, you know, it's that it's such an intuitive thing. You know, I'm looking at it right now on Spotify and um, major awards and Kissing Song are under three minutes long. You know, they're those are that's some short songs. Um, But yeah, the argument is sort of like would they be better if they were longer because there's so, there there is a thing with music where you you kind of want people to want to play the song again right after they listen to it um cuz those are the songs you know the times in my life I can remember just like playing a song over and over and over it's probably not a really long song so I think it was just an in- intuitive thing and I and I and I remember referencing the Cure on this song. And the Cure, you know, the Cure has a song on Head on the Door where the song is the intro to the song is the length of the rest of the song. It's literally they play the entire song instrumentally and then they play the whole song with vocals. <laughs> So they're they're like the masters of long intros, basically. So um, and and I, I, if my memory serves me, which it's very possible that it is not, but because um, this was almost twenty years ago now, um, we definitely were pulling from Cure on the Cure on like all fronts on this one.
0: I am. I called this. Progressive Chamber Pop Lounge Flyer, which um, for those that have listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know, Lounge Flyer is probably my favorite version of Starflyer.
2: Um, That's that's awesome. (laughs) So um,
0: a classic Dear John letter song, um, which at this point. I almost don't even care what the lyrics are about on this song. I'm just so happy the song sounds sad. Like, it is just that perfect, just... We need something that's going to feel sad leading to the end of this album. Um, This is like some, you know, some of the best TV shows. Everyone talks about the season finale, but no one ever mentions the episode before it. That sets it up perfectly. Um, I
1: also
0: love the... I also love the theme on this of... um, Some people, no matter how much you love and support them, they're still going to abandon you um, because people will be people. They're going to let you down. Um, And I feel like kind of the unspoken part of that is when that happens, you have to have something else to turn to or you're going to just uh, go into self-destruction mode um so yeah a sad song that sounds like gold all grown up which i love that you mentioned anderson uh, you mentioned gold earlier this this is the gold track all all grown up and maybe yep. we'll down the line but i want a horn hair yeah. album of nothing but this
1: <laughs> okay so your favorite song on the album
0: um no i still think i want to fix stick with old but okay. i do like this song a lot
1: all right, I, I want to lead off the next song because this is Sprinkle's favorite song. So we'll let him close it out, you think? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So art of deduction. <laughs> this is a great closing song. I mean, it's lens Martin Clouts with with Sprinkle producing. I mean, they couldn't make a bad song. They try with this lineup. So. So song, whatever. I'm going to get on to my favorite parts of the song. Um, <laughs> The minute um, so, so 150 to 352, um, love this breakdown. Jason's soaring guitars, stars so perfect and controlled. He could have been had an explosive solo, but this song needed a you know. And the song on the album, you know, like like we mentioned earlier, well, what I mentioned earlier, we need more breath. We need more time for these songs to develop, and that's what this song's done. And then amidst that little period. Um, at 2.51, there's that beep beep boop, boop guitar sound that comes back again. Oh man, it's just it's just so perfect here. And then that, like we mentioned at the beginning, underneath that, ah oh, sound comes back. Great musical call back there. Then the song ends with what sounds like someone's having heart surgery. I love that addition. And what a morbid way to end this album, full of infidelity, heartbreak, selfishness, and just the depravity of humanity. He could have done what he did with Leave Here Strange and ended with a happy song, but he didn't. And I'm so glad this album needed this sad song and it needed this ending with somebody who made some horrible decisions in life, obviously, to end up having a heart attack. Perfect song to close this um, album and perfect way to close this album. I can't think of a better way to close this album, actually. That that heart surgery dialogue. I remember listening the first time, like, what's going on here? This is weird. And then it ends with that stop. Whoever, my third favorite song in this album, four stars, love it. Very
0: nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it interesting that this song is the only lyrics in the booklet, and um, it seems to be the the thesis yep. statement yep. for this whole entire album. Um, yep. Death is mm-hmm. a part of life, and until you accept your its death's inevitability.
1: It's the, only tr- it's the only certainty we all have.
0: Yeah, and until you accept that inevitability, you can't truly live. Um, like, you have to accept death to, to accept life. Um, I really love the guitar break at 150. Um, it really makes you feel like you're traveling into space or maybe even entering the afterlife and um it's an epic ending track i think it rivals dungeon or your company because that's a good closing track and always will be and
1: that's your i will fight you
0: (laughs) and um the surgery sound effects just top it off perfectly like an album contemplating death this is how you end um It just, yeah, it's like uh, some of my favorite episodes of a M.A.S.H., a TV series I really like, just end on the saddest notes because they want you to think about everything that happened. And um, sometimes a happy song works, but sometimes stuff like this is what you need to end on.
1: All right. This is my favorite favorite. Starfire closer of the whole discography. This is the best closing song
0: um it's all right so give, us your, give us what you
1: got
2: well this song's pretty good no uh <laughs> pretty good
1: <laughs>
2: yeah the, i have a I, I, I could say a lot about this song this i this song um i'll start by saying this song will randomly pop into my head multiple times a year ever since I recorded this song with them. Um, it, it, I remember it having a really big impression on me. And one of the reasons was, you know, talking to Jason about the lyrics and the, the, him, him wanting to approach his death just head on and just not talking about if but when it happens um you know i don't know if he's literally predicting that this is how he's going to die but that's the the metaphor of it is it, it is is definitely a first person song and uh i remember like almost being taken aback by that because it was uh it's almost like startling and but really cathartic at the same time really important for us because you know we live in so much denial (laughs) about the fact that we literally all are going to die and it's i don't think it's the most healthy thing at least once you get to a certain age and i just remember really respecting him for writing this song now onto the musical aspects of it um I remember even at the time and listening to it recently again there are moments in this record where I hear Jason's uh or I hear Terry Taylor's influence on Jason as a as a singer and a writer and this is one of those songs where I I really challenge you if you're if you're a fan of Terry's stuff to think about this song and picture him singing it and it it's it lines right up um the way that he um <clears throat> the way the melodies are and the and the phrasing and the phonetics um, are very it, and, it, and, it, and that's a huge compliment to me because, you know, Terry is the person that I credit to teaching me how to be a record producer. So um, and I don't even know if he knows that or not. But um, and then I mean, everything about the song is amazing. The chorus is amazing. Like I said, it, the chorus pops into my head all the time. But one of the things about this song, too, that really stands out is the it is really hard to beautifully, tastefully, and tactically completely rip off Pink Floyd, and that's what the bridge does of this song. <laughs> um, it is, and, and I mean, that's what we were going for in the studio, that we were like, we're doing a Pink Floyd bridge, and it is so spot on, but it's not cheesy at all, and it, You know, we were all flipping out. We were just like, you know, so stoked at how it turned out. It just it's perfect. And uh you know, I think that if you look at underneath and this, you you the they are the perfect bookends to this record. You know, they really showcase this lineup and this team and the era and what Jason was going for and you know Everybody's talents, um, in in but in such a tasteful way that's not like there's nothing showy about any of this stuff, it's just like all f- emotion and feeling. And, um, yeah, this is definitely my favorite song on the album, and um, I give it a 11 out of 10. And, okay, yeah. It's I mean, I, I just have to close by saying that there's there is literally a handful and I mean, like, one handful of albums that I've produced that I can listen to. um, And and quite literally forget that I even uh, made it like I can just fan out on this record. um, And. And I have to actually go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I got to be a part of this. That's crazy. And this is one of them. And uh, I'm really just grateful that you guys asked me to be a part of this because this is an important record that it's definitely not the, one of the most popular records that people ask me about um, when I meet people that are familiar with my work. But the people that do ask me about it are fervent fans you know they're like oh my gosh that record's so insane it's so good so um yeah just perfect closer
1: before we we wrap up just i want to say two things about what you just said we have another podcast just dedicated to terry taylor so it's funny you should mention that and i never thought about strong points weak points for you guys out there it's just google it'll come up um and I'm going to do that. I'm going to listen to First Heart Attack tonight, and I'm going to imagine Terry Taylor singing it. And I think you're right. I think it really does line up, and that is very high praise. And um, secondly, I had no idea that you are ripping off Pink Floyd. And now that you mention it, I totally hear it. So yeah. great job. <laughs> and thirdly, you're right, because my favorite song on this album is Underneath, and my third favorite, if Passengers wasn't here, would be my second. So yeah, these, these are the best. The perfect book endings for this depressing album about death and sin. <laughs> Beautiful. So yeah, Sam, I uh, yeah. go ahead.
0: <laughs> oh, my final thoughts on this. So, um, my initial thought was, in a lot of ways, this is just another Starflyer album. Um, contemplations on work, failure, sin, loneliness. A bit more emphasis on a uh, the kind of um, sin, if you will. But, 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 the added specter of death transforms this album um, into a meditation on what it means to be alive. And one of the, uh, I, I forget what I was listening to or watching, but just recently I heard a really great blip that has stuck in my head, especially listening to this album a lot over the past couple weeks. Um, you can't have joy without pain. Um, with, you know, cause there's no contrast, so you can't truly experience joy unless there's pain in your life to contrast it with.
1: That's a Rob this um, song.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's, it's, it's not like not anything like obscure, probably tons of different people have said it. Um, and you know, when dealing with death, as, uh, Paul says in the new Testament several times, um, Believers should not fear death. And I think Jason was fully aware of it, and that's why he felt so confident making an album that dealt with that head on in a very realistic way. And um, I just it it this album has some of my favorite Starfire 59 lyrics of any album we've talked about on this podcast thus far. So the lyrics, I give it two and a half. Um, so I have a nine-point system where it's specifically three potential points for music, three potential points for lyrics, and three potential points overall. Um, music is two and a half. It's brilliant. Chamber pop, indie rock. I love it. The lyrics are the highest I've ever given lyrics, um, two and a half. I, I love some of the lyrics here. I, stuff I can really chew on. And even just talking about them with you guys during this review – has made me like think about them even more. And be like, man, there's really a lot you can chew out of this, um, out of the simplicity almost.
1: Right. And two and a half is high for Sam, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a big lyric guy, so I lyrics, I, I I love cryptic lyrics. So, <laughs> um,
0: overall, I give this a two. Um, I can't say I like it above like "Leave Here a Stranger." Um, just yet but I like it a lot and it, it was is so overall I give it a 7 out of 9 which is just under like one point below
1: what I gave Leave Here a Stranger I'm not going to put mine down but I 7 sounds right for me. 7 sounds right for me too nice mm. So I give the yeah.
2: production a 10 out of 10
1: no yeah. 15 out of 10. a 12 <laughs> 15 <out of> 10. <laughs> my, God. my final I'm just going to say one last thing about the album. Here's my my final thought on this album. Production on this album. We mentioned these little things, too. So there's, like, these little things that are added, choices that are made. Just like when we talked to Terry about the Leave Here a Stranger album, like, the production without those little flourishes and those little things, this probably would have been like a five or six, but those things really elevate into something special. And those things are important, you know, and that's why it's important to have a good producer because a producer can either, you know, make a mediocre album, mediocre album, or make it worse, or turn it into something spectacular. And that's what happened here, you know, and, And I totally forgot about because I haven't listened to this CD in a while because i has been vinyl since I have the vinyl and streaming. And I forgot that, yeah, in the booklet, the only lyrics in there are the last song. And so I love, at the time, I hated it because I hate it when artists don't include the lyrics in there. I was like, why are you singing lyrics if you don't want us to know what you're saying? But I get, but I get why he did that because this is what you don't need to know the lesser lyrics this is a song you need to hear that speaks for everything else and so i thought that was a really cool decision um but yeah great album great album so that's all i gotta say about that (laughs) nice (laughs) so aaron thank you we really appreciate it it's been a great evening
0: Yes, um, I'm beyond grateful that you took time out of your night to hang out with us. And um, thank you to everyone that's listening. Um, you guys continue to support us. And we do this because we're huge fans. But we also do it because you guys seem to be enjoying it. So thank you mm-hmm. so much for all your support. Yeah, um, thank
1: you guys. I wish that we could have another Rose Blossom Punch album. But <laughs> whatever. <laughs> thank, you so much. thank you guys for listening. We really do appreciate you. Good night. Good night. And
0: uh, as always, this has been a Brothers King Media production.